Hey, Wiki listeners, it's Rachel. And Victor, did you know I host the fantastic NYC Talent Show every Monday night at the Parkside Lounge in New York City? It's an off-off Broadway showcase where you can see New York's underground performance art up close. We've got weekly special guests like Colin Quinn, Janine Garofalo, Tone Bell, and lots more. Use the code WIKILISTEN for a special discount on tickets when you go to nyctalentshow.com. That's nyctalentshow.com. This is the Wikipedia page for Great Stink, part two of two. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. And I'm Victor Varnado, KSN, everybody. Subscribe. That's right. Subscribe so that you can hear more ridiculous stories like this one. Today, we are starting off in the June to August 1958 section. Here we go. By mid-1958, the problems with the Thames had been building for several years. In his novel, Little Dorit, published as a serial between 1855 and 1857, Charles Dickens wrote that the Thames was a deadly sewer in the place of a fine, fresh river. In a letter to a friend, Dickens said, I can certify that the offensive smells, even in that short whiff, have been of a most head and stomach distending nature. While the social scientist and journalist George Goodwin wrote that, in parts, the deposit is more than six feet deep on the Thames foreshore and that the whole of this is thickly impregnated with impure matter. In June 1958, the temperature in the shade in London averaged 34 to 36 degrees Celsius, 93 to 97 degrees Fahrenheit, rising to 48 degrees Celsius, 118 degrees Fahrenheit in the sun. Combined with an extended spell of dry weather, the level of the Thames dropped and raw effluent from the sewers remained on the banks of the river. (laughs) Effluent is just a word for poop, right? I think it means not only poop, but it means just like all of the muck and grossness that has had a chance to heat up in the sun. Gross. <laughs> I think it's just like a, you know what? I'm BSing. I'm going to check and see what it means. Uh, it means liquid waste or sewage j- discharged into a river or the sea. So it's specifically waste discharged into a river. So it's poop and pee. Got it. Queen Victoria and Prince Albert attempted to take a pleasure cruise on the Thames, but returned to shore within a few minutes because the smell was so terrible. The press soon began calling the event the Great Stink. The leading article in the city press observed that gentility of speech is at an end. It stinks. And whoso once inhales the stink can never forget it and can count himself lucky if he lives to remember it. A writer for The Standard concurred with the opinion. One of its reporters described the river as a pestiferous and typhus breeding abomination, while a second wrote that the amount of poisonous gases which is thrown off is proportionate to the increase of the sewage which is passed into the stream. The leading article in the Illustrated London News commented that we can colonize the remotest ends of the earth, we can conquer India, we can pay the interest of the most enormous debt ever contracted, We can spread our name and our fame and our fructifying wealth to every part of the world, but we cannot clean the River Thames. We can conquer India. What a jerk. I know. I read that. I was like, oh, gross. (laughs) Also, like, like they they could clean it. Like, there have been civilizations that existed long before this one that, like, knew how to treat 
human waste and not put it in their water supply. Yeah, but, you know, not everybody understands everything, which is unfortunate. Why doesn't everyone understand everything? Please tell me that. Because you're stupid. Okay, this conversation is over. By June, the stench from the river had become so bad that business in Parliament was affected, and the curtains on the riverside of the building were soaked in lime chloride to overcome the smell. The measure was not successful, and discussions were held about possibly moving the business of government to Oxford or St. Albans. The examiner reported that Disraeli on attending one of the committee rooms left shortly afterwards with the other members of the committee with a mass of papers in one hand and with his pocket handkerchief applied to his nose because the smell was so bad. The disruption to its legislative work led to questions being raised in the House of Commons. According to Hansard, the member of Parliament MP John Brady informed Manners the members were unable to use either the committee rooms or the library because of the stench and asked the minister if the noble lord has taken any measures for mitigating the effluvium and discontinuing the nuisance. The effluvium. What does that word mean? Good lord. Effluvium. An unpleasant or harmful odor, secretion, or discharge. People who just use the word effluvium, like, regularly, I want to punch them right in the belly. I'm going to start using that word. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I stand behind what I just said. Manners replied that the Thames was not under his jurisdiction. Four days later, a second MP said to Manners that by a perverse ingenuity, one of the noblest of rivers has been changed into a cesspool, and I wish to ask whether Her Majesty's government intend to take any steps to remedy the evil. Manners pointed out that Her Majesty's government have nothing whatever to do with the state of the Thames. What? That's wrong. The satirical magazine Punch commented that the one absorbing topic in both houses of Parliament was the conspiracy to poison question. Of the guilt of that old offender, Father Thames, there was the most ample evidence. Did they just write in riddles back then? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> He's like, here's a riddle. That's the news. At the height of the stink, 200 to 250 long tons, 220 to 280 short tons of lime were being used near the mouths of the sewers that discharged into the Thames. And men were employed spreading lime onto the Thames foreshore at low tide. The cost was 1,500 pounds per week. On the 15th of June, Disraeli tabled the Metropolis Local Management Amendment Bill, a proposed amendment to the 1855 Act. In the opening debate, he called the Thames a Stygian pool, reeking with ineffable and intolerable horrors. The bill put the responsibility to clear up the Thames on the MBW and stated that, as far as may be possible, the sewage outlets should not be within the boundaries of London. It also allowed the board to borrow three million pounds which was to be repaid from a three-penny levy on all London households for the next 40 years. The terms favored Basilgate's original 1856 plan and overcame Hall's objection to it. The leading article in the Times observed that Parliament 
was all but compelled to legislate upon the great London nuisance by the force of sheer stench. The bill was debated in late July and was passed into law on the 2nd of August. Wiki listeners, you can support us by listening to this message while you go poop in a toilet instead of a river. Thank you for listening to that message, and hopefully you're done river pooping. I know she said not to, but I know somebody did. <laughs> I did. You, you've pooped in a river? Yes. Really? Yes. I've never done that before. Well, I did have grandparents who lived in the country, and when I would go visit them, we would revert to animals. Uh, <laughs> I see. We are already animals, though. <laughs> what? We are already animals, though. What are you talking about? Well, you said you revert to animals, but uh-huh. like, you're already an animal. I'm already an animal. Well, I get it, but you know what I meant. So you're just doing this for why? For the entertainment of our whoa, wiki whoa, listeners. Whoa, 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 you're welcome. Whoa. Did you call it entertainment? <laughs> wiki listeners, you be the judge. Legacy. In 1866, there was a further cholera outbreak in London that claimed 5,596 lives, although it was confined to an area of the East End between Aldgate and Bow. At the time, that was a part of London which had not been connected to Basilgate's system, and 93% of the fatalities occurred within the area. The fault lay with the East London Water Company, who discharged their sewage half a mile, 800 meters, downstream from their reservoir. The sewage was being carried upstream into the reservoir on the incoming tide, contaminating the area's drinking water. The outbreak and the diagnosis of its causes led to the acceptance that cholera was waterborne, not transmitted by miasma. The Lancet relating details of the investigation into the incident by Dr. William Farr stated that his report, quote, will render irresistible the conclusions at which he has arrived in regard to the influence of the water supply and causation of the epidemic. It was the last outbreak of the disease in the capital. Well, way to figure it out, guys. Way to go. In 1878, a Thames pleasure steamer, the SS Princess Alice, collided with the Collier Bywell Castle and sank, causing over 650 deaths. The accident took place close to the outfalls and questions were raised in the British press over whether the sewage was responsible for some of the deaths. In the 1880s, further fears over possible health concerns because of the outfalls led to the MBW purifying sewage at Crossness and Beckton, rather than dumping the untreated waste into the river. And a series of six sludge boats were ordered to ship effluent into the North Sea for dumping. Did they not learn anything? (laughs) Are they kidding? Damn. The first boat commissioned in 1887 was named the SS Basilgate. The procedure remained in service until December 1998 when the dumping stopped and an incinerator was used to dispose of the waste. The sewers were expanded in the late 19th century and again in the early 20th century. The drainage network is, as at 2015, managed by Thames Water and is used by up to 8 million people a day. The company said in 2014 that the system is struggling to cope with the demands of 21st century London. Oh, that is spooky. That was 2014. And they 
we're still dumping poop into the ocean, or I guess the sea, until 1998. Yep. Crossness pumping station remained in use until the mid-1950s when it was replaced. The engines were too large to remove and were left in situ, although they fell into a state of disrepair. The station itself became a grade one listed building with the Ministry of Public Building and Works in June 1970, since replaced by English Heritage. The building and its engines are, as of 2015, under restoration by the Crossness Engines Trust. The president of the trust is the British television producer, Peter Bazalgette, the great-grandson of Joseph. As of 2015, part of the Abbey Mill facility continues to operate as a sewage pumping station. The building's large double chimneys were removed during the Second World War following fears that they could be used by the Luftwaffe as landmarks for navigation. And the building became a grade two listed building with the Ministry of Works in November 1974. The provision of an integrated and fully functioning sewer system for the capital, together with the associated drop in cholera cases, led the historian John Doxett to state that Bazalgette probably did more good and saved more lives than any single Victorian official. Bazalgette continued to work at the MBW until 1889, during which time he replaced three of London's bridges, Putney in 1886, Hammersmith in 1887, and Battersea in 1890. He was appointed president of the Institution of Civil Engineers, ICE, in 1884, and in 1901, a monument commemorating his life was opened on the Victoria Embankment. When he died in March 1891, his his obituarist in the Illustrated London News wrote that Bazalgette's two great titles to fame are that he beautified London and drained it, while Sir John Cood the president of ICE at the time said that Bazalgette's work will ever remain as monuments to his skill and professional ability. The obituarist for the Times opined that when the New Zealander comes to London a thousand years hence, the magnificent solidity and the faultless symmetry of the great granite blocks which form the wall of the Thames Embankment will still remain. He continued, The great sewer that runs beneath Londoners has added some 20 years to their chance of life. The historian Peter Ackroyd, in his history of subterranean London, considers that with John Nash and Christopher Wren, Bazalgette enters the pantheon of London heroes because of his work, particularly the building of the Victoria and Albert embankments. Wow, I learned a lot of new words in this article. I love the name Bazalget, and I think that I'm going to definitely use that name in some of my writing because it's dope. It is a dope name. <laughs> Bazalget. But it keeps throwing me off. For some reason, I have a hard time with it every time it's come up in this article. You have a hard time with it every time it's come up? Why? I don't know. I think I just like don't expect it to be a name or a word. I don't know. Well, I'm glad we got through it then. Me too. This has been the Wikipedia page for Great Stink, part two of two. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at wikilisten.com and on all social media and on TikTok at Wikilisten, except for Twitter, which is at wiki underscore listen. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out. Check us out on YouTube for more content. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button with your clean water. If there's a Wikipedia page you'd like us to read, let us know. We'll read it. 
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.